Talk. 
I've always said um, to myself that um, I want to be doing stuff for the Lord until my final breath. If I have to be preaching the gospel in the hospital or wherever I may be, let it be so. And I believe that God uses people at any time in their life. He can use a child. We're never too old to run the race. We're never too young. So despise not your youth. God wants to use us all the time. And we don't realize what a blessing the oldest can be to the family and what strength they bring and what wisdom they bring. Amen. Um, before I start preaching, I'd just like to honor you, Brother Josh Paul. Can you just stand up and wave at the people? Yes. Yes. He's a man of God that um, evangelizes locally and all over the states. A lot of people complain and they say there's too many Americans that go overseas. Um, he has a man of God who invests in the people of God and the people that don't want in the United States. He does a good work. He feeds the hungry. He clothes people. He goes all over the states. And I just want to thank you for that, brother. You're a mighty man of God. And we appreciate you very much. And anybody who wants to get involved with outreach ministry in the region, Josh Paul is the man to speak to. He needs volunteers, he needs helpers, and he needs people that are ready and have got a heart for the lost. Amen. Is that true, brother? Yeah. Thank you for coming today. Um, I do want us to get together and pray. Uh, Aiti is in turmoil. Um, we do know that there's a lot of places in the world that are in turmoil right now. So we know that our sister is going to Ukraine. If you don't know that Ukraine, parts of Ukraine is being invaded by Russia right now. 
A lot of people don't know that because the news isn't reporting it. Crimea has already been annexed. Some regions in Ukraine are already, people are lining up for new passports. They have to change their passports and their identification to Russian citizens. Um, so there's separatists in many parts of Russia and uh, uh, in Ukraine. Um, and they're basically doing it militantly in some places. I don't know why it's not so spoken of. Maybe because the media has an agenda behind it. We don't know. But pray for Ukraine. Um, what's happening in Haiti right now is um, the pastor who we went to, some of the youth went there. We've been there twice to Haiti. And all around Port-au-Prince there's rioting. They're trying to have a coup to overthrow the government. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad because the government's so corrupt anyway. So we just need to pray over Haiti because also the problem is that the church that we know in many regions in the country and churches they rely off the gasoline so gasoline has um, started to run out so with that comes generators that keep the refrigerators going that keep the feeding going the roads are being blocked so a lot of the orphanages that rely off the ministries you send money to are now going to be without aid because people can't drive on the roads and can't get to places. So the country might not be an all-out civil war, but they're feeling the effects of it already and people are going to go hungry. So we need to pray that God covers his people and looks after his people in this time. Um, let's all just stand quickly and just find maybe a, a group of five or seven. And let's pray over these nations. Um, my own home country, South Africa, is full of turmoil. I'm not going to go into that right now, but there's all sorts of political turmoil and hate. Um, a lot of African nations um, are against South Africa now because of the xenophobic violence and the racism. That's all across my nation. So we need to pray peace and we need to pray wisdom over South Africa for the leaders and that godly leaders will rise up. And we want to also pray that over the continent of Africa, other nations will rise up in this time and be a good example and say we won't follow after that. We won't be like South Africans. We won't start hating on our brethren that come into our country. We'll welcome them. Amen. So Pastor David and Pastor Jay requested that we specifically pray over Haiti. So in groups, let's just pray for about two to three minutes over Ukraine, Haiti, Africa, and any country that you know of right now that's in turmoil. We know that there's Christ the Kachin Christians in Burma are fighting for their lives. They've been attacked daily. They're under serious persecution. We know that China and uh, Hong Kong has all sorts of issues, and we know that if the Chinese regime takes over, their Christianity will be crushed, and freedom of religion will be crushed. Amen. So let's start to pray into these nations. Let's lift these nations up. Somebody in the group just lead the prayer. Lead the prayer. Pray for the nations. Pray that there won't be bloodshed. Pray that the God of peace and the Prince of Peace comes in. Have mercy on the nations, Lord. Have mercy on us, Father God. Have mercy on the orphanages and the children, Father God. Wherever there's war, war, warfare and, and civil war, there's bloodshed and there's hunger and the children suffer, Father God. Remember the children, Lord Jesus. Remember the children of Haiti, Father God. Remember the ministers, Lord Jesus. 
Remember those ministers, Father God, that gave their lives, Lord, and went to these foreign nations. Remember the ones that in their nations chose to change their path, Lord, and become a blessing to the nation, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, Father God. Remember these nations, Lord. Remember your people in Asia, Father God. Remember the hidden ones in North Korea, Lord. We lift them up, Father God. We lift up the nations, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember to plead the blood of Jesus. If there's a ministry you know, if there's people you know in these nations in Haiti, plead the blood of Jesus over, the, over their ministries. Plead the blood of Jesus over the orphanages you know. If there's people you know in Ukraine, plead the blood of Jesus over them. Your shield to shelter them, Father God. You are mighty God. You are strong God. You remember your people in the hour of need. Father God, we thank you that the zero hour will become our finest hour, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You have a power that cannot be insulted, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel be carried in this time in Aidi, Lord. We thank you that peace comes to the nation, Father God. We thank you that people lay down their weapons. We thank you, Lord, that the, the corrupt politicians stand up and be counted for who they are. And they bend their knee, Lord, to the King of Kings and the all-conquering Lion of Judah, that peace can reign in these nations, Lord. Not only bend outwardly, but bend inwardly in their hearts too, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We speak peace to Pastor Jay and Linda and Church on the Rock in Port-au-Prince, Father God. We thank you that the work will continue. We thank you that Pastor Jay's ministry that you have given him, Father God, will be a light in this hour, Lord. We thank you that you strengthen the hands of the servants in Church on the Rock, Father God. We thank you that you strengthen their feet to run the race and to walk your walk, Father God. Behold the threatenings of the enemy, Father God. We thank you that in this hour they will be bold as lions, Father God. Bold as lions without intimidation. We thank you, Lord, that Church on the Rock will be a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. We thank you that in this worst of hours, Father God, for Haiti, more souls will come to you, Lord, than ever before in the history of the nation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We speak peace over Africa. We speak peace over Asia. We thank you, Father God. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, Father God. Strengthen your workers, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.
you, everybody. When there's nothing else to do, we get on our knees. We pray. We submit ourselves before the presence of God. So many times in history, God turned the tide of the battle because of the prayer of the saints. And um, these are hard times in many nations, not just the U.S. of A. Right now, America's been attacked with a tide of propaganda that it hasn't seen in its history, attacked by false doctrines and lies. They're attacking your children. They're deceiving the people. There's so much propaganda going on and false doctrines of the devil. And um, we rebuke Satan. America belongs to God. The United States of America belongs to the King of Kings. And the people of America will not bow to any false god or any false ideology. I mean, who wants to bow to a people that believe in evolution but they're devolving because now there's more than two sexes? I mean, what kind of foolishness is that? And the worst thing is they sit there and they think they're clever. <laughs> and they smile. But my Bible says the Lord sits in heaven and laughs. So sometimes I get his permission to laugh with him because it's insanity. It's not that difficult to figure it out. And if they call themselves professors and they teach that stuff, it shows me that a paper doesn't qualify somebody. That's why God is calling people to have the spirit of discernment in this day and age. To be able to look and to understand and to see this one. Something wrong there. Amen. What kind of people goes around the streets of Oregon calling everybody Nazis, but they're beating anybody that disagrees with the ideology? What kind of a people does that? Yeah. And some of the parents need to repent because they'll be held accountable for all the nonsense they allowed their children to believe. To think that they can go and act like thugs in the street like that. That only brings one seed and only grows one plant, and that's bloodshed. That's what it will bring. Amen? Amen? So we need to remember that we serve the Prince of Peace. Yes. Amen? And we also need to remember that in times of need, God has also called people to militant actions. And I'm just thinking of, um, who's ever heard of Charles Martel? Anybody heard of Charles Martel? Have you ever heard of the Battle of Tours? Okay, well, once upon a time, Portugal and Spain was known as Andalusia. And um, in the rise of Islam, they didn't really convert people with preaching or tell them the good news of Islam. They basically took the nations at the edge of the sword. And um, they crossed the Gibraltar Straits from Morocco into um, the Iberian Peninsula from around about 600 AD to around about 1000. Um, the Muslims were on a march. But in the year 730, around about then, a hundred years after Muhammad had spread his message, they were already in Europe and they were marching on their way to Paris. Not a lot of people know, but there was a general by the name of Rahman who had an army and he, he was marching at the head of an army that was a good 
30 to 40,000 strong, they're not really sure. But Charles Martel was the great-grandfather of um, Charlemagne. Who's heard of Charlemagne? Yes. So Charlemagne would have never been the person he was if it wasn't for Charles Martel. And Charles Martel also sponsored the preaching of the gospel to the pagans in the northern countries. And he was the one who sponsored St. Boniface. Who's ever heard of St. Boniface? Few people. So St. Boniface, um, I like it when I get to tell stories to people that they've never heard, you know, because usually you go to church and you say, I've heard that story before. So St. Boniface was around um, in those years. And um, Charles Martel was the militant one. But St. Boniface marched into a place, um, it's in northern Germany, probably west of Holland and Belgium. And it was all pagan in those days. And there was a big hill there in Gutenberg, which had a huge oak tree that they used to say that uh, Thor used to reside there. And um, Thor was the god of thunder and might and strength. And um, Cho uh, Charles Martel's friend, St. Boniface, went in there with a couple of monks unarmed. He took on these vicious marauding pagans and said, my god, is greater than Thor. And um, three days from now, I'm going to come and I'm going to take and I'm going to cut this tree down and Thor won't be able to do anything because my God is greater. And uh, obviously all the pagans and the Freslandians and the, um, the northern Germans at that time, the Saxon people, I would say, they're more closer to Saxon people, said, well, <laughs> We can't wait to see this. Thor's going to have you for lunch, Baba. So um, in a few days' time when he came with him and a couple of his monks, there was a large crowd there. So um, I just want you to think about the fact that you've got to actually have a bit of boldness to first of all even try and do this. Because um, these people will be quick to cut you and chop you up and sacrifice you to Thor. And... Um, this man of God wasn't going to have any of it. He said, well, Lord, if you've sent me here, I'm going to deal with this false pagan idolatry, and I'm going to cut it down. And um, he started early in the morning. He went up to the tree, and he took the axe, and the first chop went pop. And then all the, the pagans started to think to themselves, oh, he's going to get struck by lightning any moment. And he just started to chop away. And chop and chop and then they started to mourn and cry out to Thor and there was all sorts of problems going on and for them they were wondering where's Thor and it took about um, half the day between him and his monks but they eventually brought the tree down and that day thousands of pagans gave their life to Jesus because of the boldness of one unarmed monk but in the same period in the same era the person who was sponsoring him had to stop an Islamic horde that was on its way to enslave Christianity. And Charles Martel only had about 15,000 troops. They were outnumbered, probably about three to one. And he stood his ground in the Battle of Tours. And uh, one of the things that interested me about the way they won the battle, he sent in a couple of soldiers to go around the horde of these Andalusian Muslims that were invading Europe. And what, he did, what they did was they started to sack their camp and started to release all their slaves. 
So even because of the might of their army, they were so selfish and thinking about all their plunder, they, they, they stopped what they were doing in the major part of the battle to go and try and save every, all their, their loot. And that's the way they routed their army. And the best part about it is that the, Islam, uh, that the Islamic horde came in without winter clothes and winter was on the horizon. So in their retreat, more of them were dying than what had died in the battle. Amen? God's going to rout the camp of the enemy in this day and age. He's going to send Charles Martels. He's going to send St. Bonifaces. And you know what's best? St. Boniface built a church out of the tree he cut down and made firewood out of it for the winter to come. So even your enemy will supply you in his downfall. Amen. Okay. Um, I've got half an hour. Good. That's plenty of time. I wanted to, before I get into my message, I haven't started preaching yet, by the way. <laughs> um, I'd just also like to thank Pastor David and Pastor Shirley. It's a blessing and it's an honor. Thank you so much. Pastor David's been a real influence in my life. He's given me the time of day when nobody else has. He's honored me in times when nobody else has. And he's given me a chance. And uh, my advice to any young man that wants to have a chance in ministry, simple. Be faith and honor the man of God. Amen? It's not that difficult. Sometimes when you want to be right, choose not to be. Just say yes. Amen. It's called humility. You'll read it in the Bible. You'll find it there. It's quite good advice. The Bible's full of it. Amen. And before you know it, you'll be wiser than you were before. Um, one of the things that came to my attention is that there's people that are saying that, oh, the devil's preparing the church for a demonic revival, and there's all this stuff that's going to happen, and false miracles, and people are following miracles. And we know this stuff is true. It's been happening. We know that there's been Joseph Smiths already and Ellen G. Whites with all sorts of false visions. And we know these things happen and they continue to happen throughout history. Arianism, it's all history as much as it will be the future too. But I just want to adjure you to actually start to trust God for the goodness of the Lord. You know, one of the things I noticed when I came into America is the message had no future for this generation. It was all doom and gloom. So why should we come to church if you don't have a future for us in that church? But destruction and, and death and, and rapture or whatever it is and all these things. But we forget to preach in the last days he'll pour out his spirit. We forget to preach that there are scriptures where the people of old called for God to revive them. And I'm going to read some of them. So yes, it's alright, we should take these warnings. But then also I've noticed one thing about people that find fault. They don't believe that God gave them the wisdom and the discernment to see that fault so they could fix it, not continue to judge it and destroy the people that are in fault. You know, I was watching the one man of God, he repented about his prosperity gospel and he believed that what he was doing was wrong. So I watched these people, you know, some of them are called apostasy alert, and, and they, all they do is they, they find people, they believe their ministry is to find heretics in the body of Christ and all the apostates and the false ministers, and it's all very negative. 
I'm telling you, by the end of listening to these people for a month, you'll probably feel like giving up because there will be no hope for you because there's so much fault. They don't do anything to help anybody. And then they're so quick to judge people, I found them out the other day. Then they took a clip that the man of God had, that was in his ministry from a year before he repented where he was asking money again. And then they were persecuting for one hour. They sat there and spoke about how he hasn't changed. But they took a clip that was from a year ago. And they think that they can get away with that. They think they can. And I've been watching them also do it in Africa the whole time. They lie about people. And they're lying about the children of God. So be careful not to be always around people that criticize all the time. All they can do is criticize and find problems. Not try and understand that God is a mysterious God and sometimes He does things that's above our understanding. And He doesn't do things the way you want Him to do. Sometimes He'll call a prophet to go and prophesy and cook food with feces. Sometimes He'll get a prophet to go walk around naked for three years to prophesy against Egypt. You might not accept that. Amen? That's the God we serve. He's mysterious. So now there's people that come up against people being baptized. They're not so sure about that. But people's lives are changing. People are getting healed. The fruit of the gospel is there. The preaching of the gospel is taking place in those services. And some of them don't even have the audacity to show up to even see what's going on. They think they know you and they think they can talk about you, but they've never even met you. Some people that are talking about these things have never even met Todd Smith, never even met Pastor David. But they have so much to say. <laughs> and I've seen it before. I, I remember I was sitting in a, a pastor's meeting in the US of A, and they were talking about a man of God I know personally in South Africa, and they were talking lies. And then I asked them one thing. I said, the newspaper where you read that, what is, who, where is that newspaper from? It's a worldly newspaper. And you want to hear what the world has to say about God's children. Before you speak about them, why don't you go to Africa, catch a plane and go meet him. You might find out that the township where God had that revival has changed. The crime rate has gone down. Which doctors have given their lives to the Lord? People's lives have changed. And the power of God is not in word alone, but the demonstrative power. You can go there and you see power being demonstrated. Maybe they do some things that aren't according to your culture or your tradition or might offend you. But does that give us the right to tell everybody that these people are apostates? No, it doesn't. Yes, we should judge righteously. But I think a righteous judge hears both sides of the matter. Amen? Isn't that biblical? Yes. So here are some scriptures. Psalms 85 verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again? Here's the psalmist asking for revival. That thy people may rejoice in thee. Isn't revival good because then the people can rejoice in the might of God and what he's done for his people? Isn't it good to see revival? That people can get saved? Or should we just become the negative crowd? Oh no, the devil's going to confuse people. And oh no. The devil's going to preach false doctrines. Hmm? Uh, I was in a ministry in South Africa where the man of God had a revelation from the Lord um, where God told him, um, prophetically act out the pool of Bethesda. So we know that the angel came and stirred the pool once a year in the Bible, correct? And the people would jump in and they would get healed. So now we weren't saying that this is the pool of Bethesda. 
But once a month, we'd call it Miracle Pool Meeting Nights. And 4,000 people would come in. You know what I liked the most about this? Is I was there. And I used to carry the people out of their trucks in their beds and put them on the side of the church and carry people and put them in the wheelchairs and carry them in to the church. I was there. So there's nothing you can say about that move or say about the miracle pool that can be negative to me because I saw God heal people and I saw people's lives change. This one family, they, uh, they were all kind of like wicker into new age stuff. And one of the sons in the family was a born-again Christian and heard about the miracles and the signs and wonders that were taking place in this ministry. And he bought his family there, the one lady in his family, I think, I can't remember if it was his mother or his aunt, but my friend was related to them and a few years later he came to Bible school in the same year I came to. But the way it all began is this lady came to the ministry in one of the nights. She had a broken neck and she was in pain for many months. And she couldn't move her neck, couldn't sleep. And she went there and they took the brace off. They prayed over her and there was weeping and it was a joyous moment. It was a miraculous thing. And that whole family got saved because of what God had done in that time. And people would come through, we'd just make the pool. It was nearly like a, a fire tunnel. Who's heard of fire tunnels? It was kind of like that, and the, the pool was very shallow. And um, people would come through, and we'd have to carry most people out because they'd fall under the power of God. People would get up in the pool, off their wheelchairs. Some people didn't even have to go get into the pool or walk into it. Some of them got picked up right out of their beds and got healed. It was miraculous, and the power of God was there. But some people were saying, this is witchcraft and this is demonic. And, and you know, it's funny, I never ever saw those people come there and see what God was doing. But they had all these wonderful YouTube channels and followers. And I asked myself, who are you leading to Jesus? Who, who do you think you are to qualify and disqualify people? We're qualified by the blood of Jesus. Amen? So I just felt like touching on these things quickly just to encourage us to expect revival and to believe that it's a good thing because God wants to touch his people our children are in need of a touch of God this nation is in need of a touch of God not to be in fear of terrible things we know that those things come but let's rather believe God for his mighty outstretched hand of deliverance would we not rather pray for that would we not want to hear about that would we not want to expect that amen Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. This is Psalms 138 verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I'll read that again. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, some of us are walking in the midst of trouble. Thou wilt revive me. God will revive us. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. God's right hand shall save us. He's going to revive us. He's going to revive this nation. Because we choose to stand on these scriptures. Amen. Judgment, doom, and gloom is for the unbelievers. But God's people preach the good news of the gospel. And we give hope where there is no hope. We give strength where there is no strength because we've been endured by the power of the Most High who is a Savior 
and a redeemer to those that are lost. Amen? So we are the light set on a hill. We're not a city set on a hill that's burning full of destruction and murder. No, when people see the city on the hill, they see a light. They see hope. Amen. Isn't this a good message? Amen. So we know te- we're in terrible times. But isn't this the best time to shine and give hope? Isn't this the best time to be the people that God has called us to be? We know there's things coming that are terrible. I'm not throwing that out the door. We know that the earth is shaking right now. We just prayed for many nations. But I believe that the churches in Haiti right now have an opportunity to do something great for God. You know? Um, Who's ever watched the movie Mali? It's a documentary about a man in Kenya. Yes, the youth watched it with me. Praise God. I thought that, that these people won't be saved unless they watch this. Bless you, brother. Jim's watched it too. This man of God went to a place where there was no wells because his orphanage grew so big in, in the city in Kenya that he decided to take them out into the middle of nowhere because he used to be a millionaire and he gave. I'm just cutting the story short. You need to go watch it. And um, he decided that they needed to go out to a piece of land that he had bought back in the day. There was no, um, there was no water there. It was dry. But... God hasn't always called us to go where the oasis is. He hasn't always called us to go where paradise is or where the richest place in town is. Have you noticed some preachers that's like, God called me to come to this nation, and then they go to, the, they go to Santon City in Joburg City. And it's like, whew, I wonder why you went there. You know? <laughs> it was just a coincidence. Amen. So he went to this place, and then there was drought. And people, some of the kids lost their lives. And he said, God, you sent me to save these children off the streets. You put them in my hands. This, this belongs to you, Lord. I'm your servant. Now can you please show me where the water is? Because they started to die because they, I think they were getting cholera from the waters in the river. They were getting water and digging it out of the river. And they were getting sick and they were dying. And God led him, led him and his wife out one night to a certain spot and he said, yeah, will be water. And they started to dig. And they dug and they dug for a few days and eventually one of his sons broke into some volcanic rock. And um, he said, well, we've got as far as we can go. We've hit rock. And he said, no, God told me there would be water here. Carry on digging. So they took those big metal iron poles and they started to head through the rock. And after a while, in the middle of that, that one day, they broke through and water came gushing out. In a region where water had not been discovered in any well. They had drilled before twice with borehole drills, well drills, and they couldn't strike water. And God brought water. Amen. And then these people at the same time, when Kenya has the political unrest, they go in in buses into all the refugee camps and they feed the people and take all the homeless children where their parents have lost their lives in the riots and they look after people they don't dig holes and hide in them they go look for the hungry they go look for the lost they go be a light in a time of darkness and that's what I believe God has called me to come to America God didn't call me to come to America and get the youth to go dig a a bunker every night 
on Wednesday night when we do youth, let's go dig our bunker because the Russians are coming. No. We preach the gospel. We encourage them to be strong, to be warriors, to be St. Barnabas's. And if they need to be in the political arena, to be Charles Martel's. Amen? Is this not good? Thank you, Lord. Um, I'm taking time. Oh Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. This is Habakkuk 3. I think we all know this one. But you know, sometimes people say, we all know the scripture. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know it. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's read it. <laughs> oh Lord, I have heard thy speech. This is verse 2 of chapter 3. And was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath and remember mercy. Revive thy work, Lord. Revive your work, Father God. And all we need to do is also preach the unadulterated gospel. You know, one of the things I'm, I remember about Spirit Word in South Africa is the man of God there was very into the preaching of the Word. And they would always preach the Gospel and the Word before the sick went into the, the healing lines. He was very into good and correct doctrine. And he'd preach for hours on end sometimes. And even as we read in the Bible, it was when the preaching of the Gospel took place that the miracles and the signs and the wonders happened. So the miracles and the signs and the wonders follow the preaching of the gospel. Amen? So we don't want revival just to see wonderful things and chariots of fire and, and fairy dust. We want it because people's lives need to be changed and people are in darkness. We want it because this nation needs life. We want it because babies are dying and being murdered in mass. We want it because we want people to believe in a God of life once again. We don't serve a God of death. He triumphantly resurrected on the third day. And it's resurrection power that we carry in our lives. And it's resurrection power that we bring in to this dark world. Amen? So God needs to revive His work. So maybe the devil is planning stuff. Well, I don't need to say maybe. He's always been doing wicked things. And he's never going to stop trying. And he's going to always try and defile anybody who's given their life to the Lord. Anybody who's been called to revival. Anybody who's been called to be prophets. The devil will resist you. The devil will accuse you. Amen? Let's go to Habakkuk. I've got 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I just don't know which, I don't know if I should do ESV or King James. Okay, somebody said King James. Thank you. That's my favorite. Lots of these and thous. But it's strong. Um, I want to read quite a lot. Praise God. This is going to be good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you encourage your people today. Thank you that you anoint my tongue and my speech for your word. Thank you, Father God, that you're guiding, you're correcting, you're disciplining, you're instructing, and you're inspiring people to run with the vision. 
Verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramath and Mizophin, however you pronounce that, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elu, the son of Tahu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Say, Penina had children, and Hannah had no children. Okay, verse 3. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and to the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Say Hophni and Phinehas. Mm, interesting characters. The priest of the Lord were there. Verse 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Say the Lord shut up her womb. Hmm. Interesting. And as he did so, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, she so she provoked her, therefore wept, and did not. Okay, let me. And as and as he did so, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her. Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better than thee, to, than thee as ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. And wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Say, Lord, remember me. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. In other words, he noticed she was mumbling. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Cut not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Say, the Lord's going to remember me. Wherefore it came to pass... 
When the time was come, about after Hannah had convened, conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. You know, I think that this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Because the gospel that we usually hear today and in the U.S. of A. is about what can God give me. And a lot of us are mourning and a lot of us are weeping. But we don't realize that God is gravitating us towards the solution in our problem. Our problems gravitate towards their solutions. If we can remain unshakable and unmovable. If we know that the enemy is provoking us. And we know that Penina was busy harassing Hannah because she had no child. Amen? So it's not easy. And we know sometimes that God does things to us that we call, oh, the devil did this. But we don't realize that God isn't actually looking to give you just a testimony. He wants something greater for your life. And the problem with us is we always want to tell a testimony of what God did for us, but we don't think about how God might want to tell a testimony about what we did for Him. Amen. We always want God to be our sugar daddy and our marriage with the Lord is based on what He can give us. Amen. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing if your husband just married you because of what you can give him? Wouldn't it be a terrible thing if your wife married you because of your bank account? Because the problem is there, if the bank account falls and the investment you've invested in falls, then the marriage falls too. Hmm? So one of the things about Hannah's story that strikes me the most is that she promised her son to the Lord. And that for me is the principle of first fruits. And we'll see that in the later chapters that God gave her three sons and two daughters afterwards. But first God required something from Hannah. You understand? Because God himself is in need of somebody. Because there's Hophnes and Phineas in the body of Christ. But some of us just want God to bless us all day and every day. But he doesn't realize that he's called us to stand strong in the church. Not to, get, not to come to church out of convenience, but for conviction. Not to come to church to hear how wonderful we are and how God has blessed us and anointed us. Meantime, we haven't done jack squat for him. But all we do is come to church traditionally. And we don't realize that there can be Hophnesses and Phineases, wherever they may be seated, next to you. You see, some people just come to church because somebody invited them, not because of their own convictions. Some people come to church because the girl they like goes there. Some people come to church because the pastor preaches the message they like, or he wears a tie on Sundays. Hmm? Some people only go to counselors that will tell them what they want to hear. Oh, I go to council there, I think, well, that's a wonderful place. They're just going to tell you how good you are and how wonderful you are, and they're not going to sort out the problem that's in your life. Amen. So now Hannah, in a time of need, is in the church, and the man of God himself is in need, and he's leaning on the post. He's leaning on God. The pillar is indicative of leaning on the Lord. Because he knows right now, 
my sons have let me down. The body of Christ is in need of a Samuel. And Hannah is in need of children. We are in need of children. We are in need of fruit. We are in need of something. But we don't realize that actually what God really wants is to use us. And that will be the greatest testimony. People don't remember Hannah because of her other sons. Why do they remember Hannah? Because she gave the Lord Samuel. Amen? I have another scripture just to go with this. I'm trying to go fast because our fried chicken is waiting for us. Hmm. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. I heard Bishop Duncan Williams one time preach on this scripture and I loved it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't you know that your labor is not in vain? Don't you know that the enemy knows that when you're in the right place, he's going to make it uncomfortable? I don't want to go to that church anymore because they offended me. But God wants to use you. But we move by our feelings. You know, one of the things I've noticed about us young people, we think our feelings are the voice of God. God told me she's for me. Yeah, your members told you she's for you, Baba. That's not the voice of God. The enemy is seeking for an occasion to sift you like wheat and remove you from your calling through her. That's not God. And then everything that energizes you revolves around that one reason why you're in church. Not His will be done. Your will. You always want God's will to align with you. If His will doesn't align with me, it can't be the voice of God. Your feelings are not the voice of God. Amen. Hannah had to do something hard. She got offended. The man of God was incorrect. He didn't discern rightly. He offended her and said, why are you drinking in the church? Well, I don't want to go back to the temple. Okay, Elkanah, that priest doesn't know what he's talking about. He can't see that I'm going through a hard time. And I need a child and he's saying I'm drunk. Shame. That's all you'll remember, be remembered for as a victim. Are God's people victims or are they lions? Amen. Are you being hunted or are you the one who's hunting? Amen. It's as simple as that. Either you steadfast, unmovable and unshakable and know that your labor is not in vain. You see, the devil knows where to hit us hardest. He knows where we're the weakest. He knows. And one thing he also knows is that he doesn't want you in the church. Because if he can get you out of the church, he can get you away from the right voice, the right counsel, the right spirit, the right motivation. And he, you know what he's going to do? He's going to use those that are closest to you to hurt you or to offend you. Amen? So God wants us to be strong. And sometimes people don't even mean it. Do you think... The man of God, Eli, really meant it like he wanted to hurt her. He thought she was drunk. Have you seen some people when they're weeping before the Lord? They, they don't look like they're in their right mind. They're struggling. They need a, they, they're asking a petition of the Lord. They're in distress. And sometimes they look like they've been puza puza in the church. <laughs> Amen? 
So we can, sometimes as men of God, we can discern incorrectly. We can make false judgments. But unfortunately for the body of Christ, we need to understand that all of us here are in a hospital. There's a sickness. And we're here because we want to be healed, not because we are holier than thou. Pastor David is a pastor not because he's better than you, but because he wants to be a shepherd and lead people into righteousness and to the King of Kings. Not because he's more qualified or more holier than you and says more Hail Marys on Sunday morning than you. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to keep that in our mind all the time. We need to have this mindset. Let this mind be in you, the Bible says. So we've got to pull down these strongholds because the enemy first begins with our thoughts, first begins with the words that people spoke to us, and then those thoughts begin to manifest. And before you know it, you're not in the church. And most times when you see those people after a few months, it never worked for them to leave the church. You actually found that they've fallen into sin. You found that their life has gone astray when it concerns their relationship with the Lord. But back then, God told them to do that. You know? And then some of the young people these days, you know, they just have no integrity. They'll say, oh, but they judge me and they persecute me. But if you're going to go stand and smoke a cigarette right by the entrance there, obviously Ed and Elaine and them are going to ask you to go smoke it somewhere else. And then you're going to say, oh, they hurt my feelings. Well, dude, anybody knows that you're not supposed to smoke a cigarette at the front of the church? Or is it just me? Or am I the only one who was raised right? You know, we're not going to go smoke our drugs in the front of the church or drink our booze in the church. And then when they try and correct you, you get offended. Isn't correction a good thing? Doesn't the Bible says he disciplines his sons? You see, some of us don't want to be sons. We just want to be servants. Amen. Okay. Um, I'm going over time and we need to pray. Can we have, um, can the band come up? Is Joseph still here? There you are, Baba. I want to I pray for people that need prayer, but I just want to read a few more things. I've still got a lot to preach, but I think we've said enough. Amen. Um, so I quickly, I wrote down here just to put some notes down on what I've been speaking about. For those of you that want to do that. How do we become unmovable? Number one, check the motive of your heart. Number two, check our character. You see, if you, if you leave a place where God's called people to lead you, your character will never be checked or improved. If you take your salvation casually, you'll become a casualty. You understand? So, I always believe in fathers in the Lord because I've noticed that one thing, if there's a man who wants to beat his wife, he won't do that if he fears the man of God in his life is going to come and say, hey, what have you been doing? Because people will do certain sins behind the door that they won't do in front of you. So people are good to have in our lives because they'll watch us and correct us. Amen. Number three, change from being a person with rights to being a person with accountability. It's my right. Yeah. What is your responsibility? What are you born for? Amen. I'm trying to go fast. Become a faithful person. Proverbs 12 verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Five. Take yourself and your word seriously. 
Number six, plead the blood of Jesus daily. I thought I had to throw that one in. We need to plead the blood of Jesus. We are qualified by the blood of Jesus. We are made righteous. We are white as snow by the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood. Maintain your relationship with the Lord. Number seven, become like the palm and the cedar of Lebanon. Number eight, the reference to that is Psalms 92 verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A palm tree has highly elastic qualities and it can return to its former shape. Have you seen a palm tree in a storm? That thing will be kissing the ground. But when the storm is over, the palm tree is still standing and other trees have fallen. God has called us to withstand a storm, to withstand the attacks of the enemy. The cedar of Lebanon gets its name in the Semitic tongue for the tenacity of the roots. The word tenacity comes from the ability to hold on to something. Have you hold on to the word that God gave you? Have you hold on to the blessings that He's promised us? The tenacity of the root, and it's also known for its blood root, which goes deep into the ground. It's in the depths of the earth where we get the jewels. It's in the depths of the earth. It's in the depth of the sea where we find the pearls. It's not a shallow thing. Amen. I thought that one was nice. Um, number nine, love God, not money. <laughs> you better. Otherwise you'll be led astray very fast. Be a lover of peace, because we serve the Prince of Peace. Hebrews 12 verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. We don't want to give the devil an occasion to put a root of bitterness in us. And here's the worst part of it, and thereby many be defiled. Have you noticed how bits of people go and they get a little posse in the church and they spread it like a contagious disease? He did this, he did that. And then all of a sudden every wicked thing they know about that man of God or that worship leader or that person in the pew is being spread around the whole congregation and there's a root of bitterness and it's from the devil. Um, Eleven, make sure that you have the anointing in your life. Why do we need to be unmovable? Number one, so we can become workers that are approved of the Lord. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Number two, why do we need to be unmovable? Because the devil is trying to steal your blessing. Number three, why do we need to be unmovable? so we can keep our convictions. Amen. Number four, so we can face the accuser of the brethren. Ephesians 6 should be the scripture of reference. You have trouble there because, um, I'll say it again, the devil knows where your blessing is waiting for you. The devil knows. But right now God is sending us to people that are relying on us and we don't even know that the people who are even sometimes misjudging us are the people that are in need of us. Hannah knew and came to the realization and the revelation that God needed a priest because the sons of Eli were profaning the name of God. They were stealing the portion for themselves. 
God's looking for hammers that aren't going to say, Lord, what can you give me, but what can I give you? God's looking for preachers of the gospel that in this time of need are leaning on the posts and waiting for the workers, for the ones that want to give God a testimony. You know, when I read the Bible, I read about the testimonies of the Lord, not just about Moses. You know, Moses was willing to go and do something for God. And he thought of all sorts of excuses, I'm telling you right now. But the Bible said that at his death, there was never a man of God like Moses that had done all the mighty works he had done in Egypt. Because he had something to give God. God wants us to give our whole hearts and our lives to him. And the first thing you need to do is realize that you need to be unshakable and unmovable because God is in need of you. Amen. And he's still the same today and forever. They can preach that healing doesn't happen in the body of Christ anymore. I've been healed by God. I've seen healings. And some of the same people that they persecute a lot. I was once in a crusade and I saw the greatest miracle I saw in my life. I walked in in that crusade and it was in the Coca-Cola Dome in South Africa. A very famous man of God that everybody likes to say a lot about. You know, I don't know what he's done right or wrong or whether it is. I don't like to persecute. But I know God used him in those crusades because I saw a boy with cerebral palsy come in there with me. Nobody had laid hands on that child, but the body of Christ was praying and people were worshipping. And that boy got healed there. And I saw a divine miracle from God where his, his bones came right. He was in a strapped down chair. He unstrapped himself and just started to walk towards the altar. And the whole church went into jubilations. The whole auditorium. God still heals people. So unfortunately for people that want to preach that to me, my experience speaks louder than their opinion. And the Bible does too because it says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's still Jehovah Rapha. Amen. Let's stand.